welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A. R-Y-S-E dot com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am your host, Justin Matcham. Hope everybody had a fine Easter Sunday. This is coming out on a Monday, so it will have passed. I hope everyone enjoyed their day. Amadou, Dan, in here with me tonight. How are you guys? How's your Easter going? Um, Easter's been well, man. How about yours? It's been good. It's been good. Spending time with family. Dan, I assume you've had a good one as well. Yep, been been very solid. Cavs played the Heat. Cavs lost to the Heat uh, in Miami. The streak continues. Have not won a game in Miami against the Heat since 2010, I believe. Wild to think about, which is kind of disappointing. But anyway, uh, not the worst game they've played this year. Not the best. Ended up losing 115 to 101. Uh, it it kind of seems like this was a game where they never really got in position to where they were close to win. But it was nice to see that they managed to not make the whole thing a blowout. Uh, it never seemed like it got too far away from them. Um, overall, some positives to take away from the game. Uh, some challenging things maybe as well. We can get into all of that. I want to talk about to start though, guys. Obviously, I haven't talked to you since Kevin Love and well, Matthew Delvadova making his debut and Kevin Love making his return again. Uh, I guess we could just get started with Kevin Love who played 22 minutes in this game, 23 minutes basically. Uh, had another solid outing, had a double-double, 10, 10 points, 10 rebounds, a uh, few assists, and again, just I think continues to look good out there, continuing to move well out there. Had kind of a rough night shooting the ball, two for eight from three, uh, but overall, the, the impact I think was pretty clear, at least on the offensive end, and just kind of the impact that he makes. Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Amadou. How have you liked seeing Kevin Love back out on the floor? Uh, how do you think he looks this time compared to the last time he tried to come back and just some other general thoughts? Yeah. Um, well, just comparing this time to last time, he's actually, you know, playing more than two minutes a game or whatnot, but either way, Kevin Love have, having him back is obviously great. You know, it's just a, a security blanket type of guy, a guy who, you know, Garland or Sexton, you know, when, you know, the game might not be going too well for them, they can always lean on him. Obviously he's still on a miss restriction. We'll see, you know, when that is lifted, but. This game against the Heat, like you said, um, 10 points, 10 rebounds, um, had a couple of good assists. He had that one assist where he whipped it to Colin Sexton in the corner. I thought that was a nice play there. But just overall, having another guy, you know, that the Cavs can go to, considering that the offense this year has been very, very poor, it's it's it's, it's definitely a positive. I still think there are some times where it still kind of looks like, you know, Kevin is a little bit limited mobile as far as his mobility goes. Uh, you know, just kind of struggling to close out on shooters at times, some rebounds that maybe are loose balls that, you know, other guys might go after a little bit more aggressively than he did. Uh, and obviously they had some guys shoot the lights out. Uh, Trevor Ariza couldn't miss in the first quarter. He ended up four for eight from three on the game. Uh, Duncan Robinson with six for nine on the game. Goran, you know, hit some tough ones as well. Overall, Dan, how have you felt Kevin Love has played since he's come back? I think, you know, the, the mobility 
I don't know if it's ever going to get back to where it was maybe at one point, but I still think there were some plenty of positive things from both of these games to take away from the play that we've seen so far. Yeah, I like that he's been looking for a shot. I mean, it's not like that's going to be a secret, but it's been good to uh, just have his uh, the spacing element out there um, has has had an impact in itself, um, and I just like that it's he's they've been playing th- kind of through him uh, to an extent, and uh, he's had the same amount of turnovers as assists here, but. Um, a few of those turnover. I mean, you got to expect some of those are going to be the case just from rust. Um, but I, I just like what I've seen in, in terms of him um, looking for that deep ball, um, just with how limited the Cavs have been uh, in that regard. You got to take the good with the bad. Um, and yeah, he's, he's going to be after, laterally limited here. Um, it's probably going to be a bit before that the leg under him thing kind of gets feel or felt out. And, um, but I, I think I, I like what I've seen from him. Uh, like what his, his approach has been. And you gotta, you gotta expect there's going to be some kind of wide lefts and wide rights here and there. Yeah. And that's like you said, I think that is to be expected. Uh, it's not I like think... a jetty situation. No, 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 no. Um, I, I think, I don't know, I just like the flow of the offense so much more when he's on the floor. Uh, I think you mentioned the spacing, uh, I think, is really, really important in the starting lineup to have. Uh, especially when you have a non-shooter out there like Okoro, uh, having someone who is as serious of a threat as he is from out there uh, kind of opens up Okoro's game as well. Uh, I think we kind of saw that in this. Obviously, the, the facilitation you know, from the mid-post and elsewhere Obviously, it's another thing that kind of allows a guy like Okoro to cut and make plays that way. Uh, Okoro playing next to Kevin Love has looked very, very good. Uh, in the game against Philadelphia, went 4-for-4 four four from the field, went 5-for-7 in this game against the Heat, also 2-for-2 two two from 3. Uh, overall, I think Okoro has benefited greatly from playing next to a, a basketball player as smart as Kevin Love. I think he's really just been able to feed off of what he's brought to the floor, Amadou. What have you seen from from Okoro that has really made such a big improvement for him these past couple games? Had well, 17 points against the Heat. Yeah. So just having Kevin Love, especially playing the five position, just adds spacing um, alongside Dean Wade. Um, gives Okoro the ability to have, you know, play better in backdoor cuts, slashing ability too. Kevin Love, you know, he's a great passer for a big man. So he's able to, you know, see all areas of the floor, seeing Okoro on those cuts, finding Okoro for wide open three-pointers. It's, it's definitely been a positive to have someone like that playing the center position, at least for right now. Dan, what have you liked from Okoro as of late? What do you think he's done to turn this around? Yeah, I, I just think he's kind of shown more assertiveness um, when he – it seems like he's sensed uh, kind of throughout games when he needs to kind of assert himself a little bit more. Um, it, it was good to see him get seven free throws, I think, in the last game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me has, has got to be until that pull up kind of comes along. Like I, I would have liked to have seen him kind of force the issue more earlier on. And we've seen that a little bit more lately. Um, just because it's almost like a, you have to realize like you're, you're a non-shooter. You're going to be left open or there's going to be slow closeouts, but you, you have to be able to eat up that space and, he is quick enough to be able to do that, and when he gets downhill, I, I understand the handle isn't nearly what it needs to be. I'm not gonna say it is, but if he, I do feel he, like he's been much more under control around the rim, finishing wise yeah, in these yeah, past couple I games. I just think if he kind of takes his time around the rim with his big body, it's at least going to be free throws. And I mean, he he he's shown that he can finish through contact. I just, I, I you've said it many times. We just need to see him initiate it and take it on and kind of lean into that as opposed to kind of showing, like, kind of body control-related stuff, which, I mean, it's not like he... Like, I actually think he's looked decent in that regard, but it's not a guy that needs to be like Jordan Clarkson. He doesn't need to finish with touch. He needs to play through it more. And I think that's kind of been apparent lately. Another guy I want to talk about in this game, uh, and I guess, again, similar to Love, we can kind of just talk about the couple games since, you know, these are the first two games that Matthew Delvadova has played this season. Uh, Matthew Delvadova played again tonight or last night or whenever the game was uh, against the Heat had three points did hit a three 
Uh, we can get into the form a little bit and how that has changed. But again, you know, I think Del Vadova, uh, the game against Philly, I was encouraged to see some of the signs that we saw. Uh, had five assists in that game, but it was kind of clear that he was shaking off some rust. Uh, kind of did the same thing again to, in this game. Uh, again, 16 and a half minutes, came in, got five assists. Um, I think in the first game, he kind of was trying to command the ball a little bit too much and just kind of, you know, run the offense through him at times a little bit. And again, I think working into it, I, I understand why he did that. But in this game, he seemed much more just in the flow of the offense. I thought he did a terrific job moving the ball as he always does. Um, again, you know, making some of the hustle plays uh, didn't end up paying off, but we did see Del Vadova kind of dive off the side of the court trying to save a ball uh, into the stands. Obviously, it's not like there are a bunch of people there this time, but you just you'd like to see those plays uh, come from him. I kind of missed just that level of energy and effort. Um, Dan, what have you liked from Del Vadova in these past couple of games that he's finally played in? Well, we know he's not going to be shooting uh, too much. What has he made? One field goal thus far, one of seven. Yes, 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 yes. Um, which is kind of playing into how it was last year. That I, I still don't know who told him to rework that shot. That thing is well. We can get I, into that in a minute. Broken is is saying a compliment. Um, that clearly isn't there, but. I just think it, I, I'm really intrigued to see how Delhi can fit with with Jared Allen. I think that that'd be an interesting combo. Um, even if it's just maybe they play together, maybe f- five six minutes a game, that could be three assists in itself. Um, has ten assists, no turnovers, um, and I don't I can't remember how much run he's had. I think it's like he's averaged like a little under 17 minutes or 16 and a half something mm-hmm. in yes, that yes, in yes. that realm, but. Defensively, you just see the communication skills um, consistently as a rotator. Uh, again, we know the physical limitations, and he, he's had to fought through, fight through a lot of stuff this year. Um, but just as soon as he gets in the game, there's just it's just like a just like a shot of adrenaline. I don't really know what else to say it. Just the ball just moves. Would you agree with most of that, Amadou? And what are your first impressions to what seems like? Another new form from Matthew Dalvadova. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. we know how he used to shoot when he used to be a decent shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, over the past couple of years, it seems like he had kind of changed up his form. It seems like he's changed it again, and every time it just gets worse and worse. Um, what are your? I mean, aside from you know what he does in the Im- impact, you know, in other f- parts of the game, what have you thought of the new and further? I don't even know what word I'm looking for, but even yeah. worse jump shot for Matthew Delvadova. I don't know why. He just continuously tries to change it. I mean, it was fine, like you said before. Um, and now it's just hit a point where it's uh, – I, I just really have no clue what to, what to say at his jumper. Um, but just talking about his impact, I agree with you know what both you guys said. Um, he's not going to really put anything up in the scoring department. Where, he, where his game really sides is in the facilitation abilities. I mean – 10, 10 assists in the past two games has been great. I'd like to definitely see him get some minutes, like Dan said, with Jared Allen. Um, I feel like the the lobs in that scenario would be great. But, yeah, the jumper is just – it's – man, I, I I have no clue. I mean, Delhi has never really had a traditional form, I wouldn't say. I mean, his shot – like, it, it didn't always look this wild. But he's never had just, you know, like a, a – and like I said, a traditional shot. It's always been a little bit clunky. Now he's shooting the ball from his hip. Yeah. Which is something that he, you would expect from a middle schooler. It, it looks a little... It's almost like LeVar. There's a little bit of influence there. <laughs> I, I don't know what the deal is. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, said, I, I, don't, I don't know how, you know, what he's... And obviously, it's probably hard to practice, you know, during a time where you have a severe concussion. Obviously, you can't practice all that much coming back from an appendix... The appendicitis, whatever. I'm not going to try and keep tripping over the word. Appendectomy. There we go. Um, Anyway, I just don't know how it continues to devolve the way it has. Um, And and credit to Matthew Delvadova. I mean, he made a three against the Heat. He made the only three he took. He's 50% on the season. That's like yeah, thirty five percent more than he had last season. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I mean, we'll we'll see if he continues to take them. Uh, it seems like you know he's taken one a game so far. I I think we could kind of stay in around that range. And you know what? If if they're going in at at least like a thirty percent clip, 
unlimited attempts, I guess we can't be too disappointed with that. But, um, Dan, do you think we get anything from Delvadova at this point as a score? I think if he has, like, a real viable roller that is, like, a vertical threat, I think there's still, like, the kind of, like, 10, 11-foot kind of floater, push shot, whatever you want to call it. Like, th- those are those shots, for some reason, he has good feel. Um, I-, I think that's kind of where he is. But, I mean, one time you could just tell, I can't remember who it was that was guarding him. Um, I think it, well, it was in the Philly game. It was uh, Tyrese Maxey just... Like, he kind of just almost, like, gave him almost like a blow-by. I, I, I don't really know what that would be called, deli, but uh, maybe like an Aussie stroll-by. But And then he threw it up with the inside hand because, I mean, he had him on his hip. And then, but Maxie, who, uh, he's a, his, as a defender, actually, has been better than I thought he would be. But he just obliterated that ball. I mean, just, like, ate it. I thought he was honestly going to, like, catch it. And I mean, it's Tyrese Maxey doing that. That's not not great. Um, yeah, I, I'm not expecting much there. Um, but bottom line is, I mean, obviously it's it's a it's a two game sample size. I'm not going to freak out, but he is averaging 10.9 assists per 36. Like for some odd <laughs> reason, like the dude's just just the the vision he has, and I, just the timing is just still is all is as good as it's always been. That's that's never going to not be there. At this point, Amadou, are you confident saying that – and I, I get it. We, we still have to kind of see how he continues to integrate himself into this lineup. But are you confident saying that Matthew Dolvadova should be the backup guard over Damian Dotson? Yes. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's it's not like Damian Dotson was shooting lights out himself either. So, I mean, if it's it's that's the one thing that I think he had rolling for him. And if that just hasn't been the case this season. So, I don't see why the Cavs don't play Delhi over him. I'm in agreement. I think that's you know. I, I think that that's also the right decision. Um, and again, I just think the, the the hustle aspect of it from Delhi, and it's it's not to say that other guys don't play hard, but Delhi constantly on the floor. You know, in in a, in a game against the Heat where you're down by 14 in the third quarter or whenever it was, still you know diving off the court to try and save a loose ball. Uh, it, it's just that type of stuff that I think kind of rubs off on other guys as well. And I think it maybe kind of sets an example. Um, whether other guys, you know, kind of follow that example or not, it just it, it puts it out there and it keeps it in their mind as to, you know, the, the level of the level of effort that he's putting out there. I think you know it, it motivates motivates guys to kind of try to match that. Um, I also want to talk about in this game Isaiah Hartstein, who continues to kind of you know, uh, we're kind of getting a better feel for him every game here. I think um, in this game against the Heat, ended up with nine points, three rebounds. Um, has yet to put up another one of those big assist games like he did in his debut. Uh, didn't have an assist in this game. I only think he had like one against Philly. Um, but I think anyway, we can get into some other aspects of his game as well. But even with, you know, the, the assist numbers not being there, I have liked some of the reads that he's made as far as passing out of post-ups. Uh, and I think you know, even if the assist numbers aren't always going to be there for him, and obviously he's had some foul trouble, he actually did a decent job limiting himself. Only had one foul in this game. But I think even in the limited minutes that he's played, we're kind of seeing the feel that he has as a passer. Um, again, not always making the play that's going to lead to an assist, but just kind of making the right reads, like I said, out of post-ups, on the wing. Just making the right pass is something that I think has stood out to me with him. Uh, what has been something that stood out to you with him, Dan? Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you on that, too. Um, I, I just think with him, he, he clearly is not a guy. I, I like that he's a guy that is not uh, – you can just tell he, he senses the urgency that he has, needs to have. Um, and, and honestly, I'm okay with guys being more so aggressive than being passive. Uh, he just seems like he's making, like you said, just kind of the right reads um, in those situations. And even though he's a guy that is raw, I'm not going to say he's not. You can see, you can kind of sense what teams were looking at, like Houston um, and and Denver before or after. Uh, just kind of the, he can make these kind of like almost, just like like almost like he kind of has that Jokic. I'm not going to at all say he's Jokic, but has like that kind of like wrong legged kind of like push shot from about 
like nine, ten feet. Like he has like some of that in his bag. Um, and I can just like I can see the the pieces, like the potential that's there. Like I, I get what people were seeing before um, with him, and I, I think honestly he's been he's moved very well for a lot better than even I would have thought initially. He he doesn't look quick, but he finds a way to get to spots. And I, I'm okay with a guy, quite frankly, that's going to foul. I'd rather him be aggressive than not. Um, I mean, is a backup five realistically like a guy? It, I mean, it most is going to play half a game. Not it, that's probably not going to happen that often. Um, I, I just I, I like the the things are just kind of coming together. You see flashes in a varying or, or a very variety of ways. I don't really know how to describe it other than that. <laughs> I think especially right now when Jared Allen is out, uh, his value just continues to be present as someone big enough to play against real centers and be another you know legitimate rebounder on this team, taking pressure off of guys like Kevin Love and Dean Wade. Uh, Dean Wade, I think, has shown you know some flashes. Obviously, he struggled in this game. Uh, shot one for eight from the field, made a three. Uh, did have five rebounds as well. You know, did a couple things, but. Overall, he has struggled to shoot it in the past couple games and does just look a little bit out of his element playing at that center spot as much as he has. Uh, I, I don't think I, – I, I think we, we know that, but it's just not a position that he's ever been used to playing in long stretches. And just having a guy like Hartenstein who can get out there for 17 minutes is important alone. And again, I think the, the fact that you know he's not blowing you away with anything, but he's able to finish around the rim, I think he, he he's shown that – he has at least some touch there. Um, obviously, a rebounder and someone who can can just give you a little bit of everything on offense and is at least big enough size wise to to contest shots at the rim as well on defense. Um, what have you seen from Hart and sign up to this point, and where are you at with him as far as you know your opinion of how he kind of fits in with this team? And are are you kind of warming up to the idea of maybe bringing him around long term? Um, I want to say I do agree with what Dan said about he just always seems to make the right play, and his passing ability for a big. It's it's I, I don't know about the the Jokic comparison, but of course you know he it, it, it's a definite positive. You know it's better than than. I'm not you know, saying it's a passer. Well, yeah. Oh, oh, not a passer. Okay. Oh. <laughs> no, it, it's just like the kind of like like intricacies with his touch. I, I don't know how to, It's just odd to me. Like, to, but I see it a little bit. So, okay, his touch, okay. Um, yeah. He just seems, it, I, I guess the way I put it, he seems like a guy that kind of knows how to keep defenders, like, off balance, I guess. It's it's just, he kind of just gets to his spots somehow, Okay, so you're saying, like, for a seven-footer, he knows how to, like, you know, use his body, basically. He's he's more fluid like, he doesn't than, always, than he looks, I guess. It was like, okay. He doesn't really, I, I was just going to say exactly that. He doesn't really look like he moves with, with a lot of fluidity, but he mm-hmm. does seem to get where, you know, he needs he to go to, at the okay. same time. In a, in a way where, you know, Jokic is obviously not the most athletic guy, uh, has developed some grace through his touch over the years, but has never really been the most graceful athlete either. But, you know, always seems to be where he needs to be and get where he needs to get. Is I, I think what you're trying to say, Dan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Sense. Yeah, pretty much. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely see that from him. Um, but on the topic of warming up to him being a long-term fit, I'm just really not sure. I mean, so far, I mean, you can't really, you know, discredit what he's done for the Cavaliers. I mean, he's done, you know, what he's been asked to with his type of player style, but I'm, I'm not too sure if he's our long-term, even maybe short-term solution at the backup center position. It's kind of an interesting question just because – I think he's he's a, he's a guy that clearly I think at least belongs in the NBA at this point, uh, given his age and upside. Uh, I think he'll definitely get another contract in the league. With that being said, just kind of an early prediction, Dan, and I'll get we'll start with you, Amadou, and then get to Dan. Uh, obviously, he has a player option for basically minimum salary next season. What are your kind of thoughts on that right now? Do you think he picks that up or turns it down in search of a longer term deal or maybe even a little bit more money? Um, I feel like it's, you know, essentially already a minimum deal. So, like you said, he, he does look like he'll probably deserve a second contract in this league. So, I think it'll just make sense for him to decline that and hopes for a longer salary, maybe with just more 
maybe not more money, just more guaranteed money, more years. I think that just makes the most sense. Um, yeah, that's just my opinion on that. Would you agree with that, Dan? Yeah, I guess for now I'll say that. I don't really know how much more or how much more burn, like how like when Allen is back in the fold and Nance – um, with, with what happens with him and, and also love kind of coming back. I, I'm not exactly a shirt certain on that. I think it, I'm kind of 50, 50. I think I'll just lean toward he ends up accepting it. Um, I guess it, it's very dependent on what the Cavs do in the draft, but I, I think there's personally just a hunch. I think there's a good possibility they go with a wing again. So I think that'll factor into him, um, coming back via that that's just that's just my opinion right now it's a good point that you know if, if they were to draft a big like evan mobley say uh that that would probably play a, a role in the decision uh I, i'm still gonna side with amadou right now i think there's a better chance than not right now that he would decline it simply because i think there's it's worth testing the water and seeing if you can get you know long-term security and if not, I think you can get the same deal that he would be turning down on his player option with the Cavs or another team. I, I, I think he's shown enough to at least earn another contract. And again, we'll, we'll have to see how he plays the rest of the year. I'll uh, just, it's, it's not a guarantee. What are you saying? I, I was just going to say, it. if they don't add a big what have you, um, I, I could just see him kind of maybe being like a, a real like backup five player for him next season and maybe – if he guarantees that he's here, maybe there's more of a possibility for him to show something more um, and actually get a like semi decent deal, like the following off season, like where yeah. it's kind of like a one year like prove it deal type thing. That's just kind of like my that's just my kind of thought in that way. And that is that's, that's a fair point. Uh, if he commits to the Cavs early, um, say he does opt into that or opt out of that player option. Uh, you know, the Cavaliers obviously wouldn't have any guarantee that he's coming back. Uh, they might go in another direction, you know, by the time he's gone. Uh, and maybe he still comes back, but, you know, at that point, there's another big who's going to be playing over him. It limits his minutes. It is a fair point that, you know, if he commits to the Cavs early, uh, they might commit to him as well and, you know, plan on giving him a big minute share. And that could be a prove it year for him. So, you know, I think there are real reasons on both sides and we'll have to see how the rest of the season plays out. But it definitely will be something interesting to watch. I want to get into Tarian Prince in this game as well, uh, who finally kind of seemed to develop a little bit of rhythm off the bench. Uh, ended up with 19 points and played 32 and a half minutes in this game. Also got six rebounds, three assists. Uh, we, we kind of talked about in the last episode a little bit, me and Zach, uh, that, that Chris Fedor had mentioned that he is not you know totally healthy right now, uh, which is why you kind of feel bad for him at times. At least I do. Uh, obviously, he was dealing with the shoulder injury uh, that had kept him out since the All-Star break. Uh, Fedor has also said that he is still dealing with some ankle, you know, discomfort that he's probably going to have to end up having surgery to clean up this summer. Um, so playing through some of that stuff right now, but I thought he came out and had a really, really nice showing. Uh, it was good to see him shoot the ball efficiently again. Amadou, what do you think of Tarian in this game? Yeah, I think Tarian playing great. And just want to touch on the point that you made about his injuries. Um, his injuries are why, like, I have been sort of hesitant on criticizing his play as of late. I mean, you know, lower leg injuries and shoulder injuries that, you know, involve your shooting and stuff. Those are two tough injuries, especially for NBA players. But either way, in the Heat game, a great game from 19 points. We also had six rebounds and three assists. Um, shot the ball well. I mean, just did exactly what he's asked to do, you know, being a spot up as well as having that dribble abilities, um, finding his open guy, um, rebounding a guy who's versatile for the team. Um, played, played well. Uh, I like what I saw from him. I, I think... You know, seeing him really get to the rim a lot in this game was something that was positive, too. Uh, he, he attacked the basket quite a bit, uh, which, again, you know, for a guy with an ankle injury, you might be a little bit hesitant to do that. So, you know, maybe that's kind of a sign that, you know, he, he does kind of trust that ankle a little bit more than maybe he did at one point. But, Dan, what have you kind of seen from Tarion in this game in particular that, you know, was different than some past games where he struggled? Yeah, but I just was gonna say the same stuff um, as you guys. Just, just seem to have more of that. Um, just a little bit wider range uh, of motion uh, regarding that ankle, and uh, just seem to be a little bit more 
um, willing to kind of possess the ball a little bit more, um, keep his dribble alive a little bit more than he's had. Um, it really shown that, that he's comfortable doing um, since before that. And I thought made good decisions. Uh, I mean, I, I can't really, I'm not going to say Torian Prince is uh, like, I, I, I guess I didn't really think he'd necessarily be moved just because of what he was, him being banged up. Um, but you can understand, or you can kind of just tell when he's like fully capable or healthier. Um, one of the, I guess, few guys that win the ball in his hands and he's dribbling like over like four times aside from Garland and Sexton, you can actually trust like, okay, like he's kind of a shot maker type where like he, he can make his own things happen. Uh, when kind of a late clock uh, bailout option type um, when he is fully healthy. I think that's just uh, was shown more a little bit in that one. Yeah, I, I agree. Hey everyone, the NBA season is underway and there's no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point of total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Uh, looking at Jetty quickly, uh, we, we, we've seen his role fluctuate quite a bit recently. Obviously, he had that stretch of games where he was just out of the lineup completely. Uh, played 19 minutes against Philly, played 10 minutes again tonight against Miami. Uh, again, we're really kind of seeing him shrink back into that smaller role. But I have to ask the important question first, Amadou, because me and Zach, uh, Zach Weiss, uh, disagreed on this last episode. Are you a fan of the Jetty haircut, or did you like the long look with the headband? Um, I actually did like the long look with the headband. I feel like that was really, that was his look, in my opinion. Now, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm all for, you know, guys trying to, try something you know people are superstitious maybe he thinks you know that could attribute to his kind of disappointing play so far it's not really been the case but you never know but personally i, I was a fan of the, the long hair and the headband look dan are you in the same boat or are you gonna miss headband jetty yeah i miss headband jetty i mean he's jetty's got solid flow like like he's got like a lacrosse player vibe to him definitely um i, I that that's I, I'm not a fan of it at all. Um, he, he's got to let that thing rage. I don't know. I think the haircut's fine. I was I thought it was getting I get a little the bit out of control stuff though. I, I do get that. I, I maybe I just maybe it's just that I associate that length of hair with the level of play. Yeah, to where I remember a time where Jetty looked like he did some good things on a basketball floor, and I guess his hair was shorter then, so it might be attributed to that. But who knows? Do you are, are you happy with this role for him, Dan? Uh, kind of, I think. And obviously, it's not like he had a great game against the Heat. Um, continues to struggle shooting the ball. But do you think kind of that ten minute range a game is kind of where he should be right now? I, I'd give him probably a little more than that. I mean, you can kind of throw him out there at the three and or even a little bit of like a jumbo two or. Like a little bit of two through four stuff. Um, I, honestly, like with the playmaking help he provides, which has generally been pretty consistent. I mean, he he does create high quality looks for other guys, and some and honestly, at six eight has kind of the capability to do so um, with the vision there. I, I still think he should be playing like probably like fifteen minutes right now. I, I think that's where I'd have him at, um, especially with Winler. Um, banged up with his stuff too with his knee injury yes uh 
you mentioned, you know, despite the shooting struggles, he did have two assists in this game. And, you know, the, the, the playmaking continues to be something that is, is there for him. Uh, that, that is one way that I guess he, he has throughout, you know, kind of positively impacted games. I'm going to say that I am kind of happy with this role for him, though, especially in a night where Tarian kind of has it rolling. Uh, and especially in a game where Lamar Stevens and Broder Thomas didn't get any minutes. Uh, I, I don't really think that Jetty needs to have a bigger role than this. I think if we can keep him in kind of that 10-minute range, uh, unless he unless he really deserves – unless he proves that he deserves more minutes and kind of gets his shooting act together, uh, I, I would be more than okay kind of keeping him in this role of, of maybe, you know, in a kind of 16 – 10 to 16 minutes per game. Obviously, you don't have to put him on a strict 10-minute minute restriction, but – I, I am I am okay with lessening his role at this point. I will say that. Oh, oh yeah, I, I wouldn't what be. What saying? I, I just was going to say I wouldn't be playing over fifteen minutes. But yeah, I, I'm with you completely. Echo all all what you said. Are you kind of in the same boat here, Amadou? Yeah, definitely. I just think you know him playing ten minutes um, was attributed to the fact that you know Okoro and Prince had great games themselves. Um, but like you guys said, as right now, especially, you know, concerning that Windler is out with that injury, you know, that 10 to 15 minute mark is probably where I'd have him too. I want to look ahead a little bit. Obviously, the Cavaliers have struggled as of late. They are not winning games. Uh, they really haven't been too close to winning games. With that said, they're not that far out of the play-in race. And this team does not look like a team that deserves to be anywhere near the play-in. Despite that, I believe they have the Spurs next. After the Spurs, they have a stretch where they play the Thunder, Raptors, who have been better as of late, uh, Pelicans, who, you know, who knows, the Hornets, who are without LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, Malik Monk right now, and the Warriors. After that, they have Bulls, Pistons, Bulls, Hornets, Wizards, Raptors, Magic Wizards. Uh, Shout out to Braden Ballin on Twitter for that, uh, upcoming schedule. I, I use that as the source for all of this. But there's a stretch of, of winnable games. And the Cavaliers have an opportunity to at least keep themselves in that conversation. Um, what do you guys kind of feel is happening with this team right now? Obviously, they have some guys coming back. Uh, Jared Allen shouldn't, and I won't say certainly because it's a concussion, and we've seen this year with concussions, how that goes, but should be back before too long. Uh, same goes with Larry Nance. He's just been dealing with non-COVID related illness. Uh, he should be back before long. How do you guys kind of feel about where this team is heading the rest of the season? Do you think it's going to be more of a bottom out or do you think they're going to stay kind of lurking around that 10 seed? I'll start with you on this one, Amadou. Um, personally, I do, you know, I don't want to be like a Debbie down or anything, but I do believe that it'll still, you know, be more of a bottom out just because, this team, even, even, I mean, obviously they're not at full strength and stuff yet, but the offensive consistency has just been so bad for them that I feel like even teams like, you know, the Thunder and, um, the Raptors, even though they've been playing better and stuff, the Hornets without LaMelo, Gordon Hayward, Malik Monk, et cetera, I feel like those teams are still better than the Cavaliers. I mean, we played the Thunder before and they beat us badly. The Raptors, obviously, we, we, we 20 balled them that one time, but again, the Raptors are playing much better now. They just had a crazy win over the, the, the Warriors. I think they beat them by, what, 50 plus, 60 plus, whatever. A so, lot of points. Yeah. We'll just put it at that. And they, they obviously have some trades and just new players coming in that they're getting accustomed to. I feel like those players are kind of acclimated now. I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be tough to win. Obviously, I feel like winnable games, you know, it just depends how the Cavs play. Uh, we still see those third quarter problems happen for the Cavaliers. Um, it obviously depends on, you know, how Garland and Sexton play. Sexton's obviously doing his thing. Garland, these past two games have only taken eight shots each game. And of course, he got ejected um, that last heat game for punching the basketball or whatever. Um, they're going to have to play better. But yeah, it's. I think for us, it's just all about how we do offensively because it has been really, really inconsistent throughout the year. How you feeling at this point, Dan? I, I'm kind of, I, I don't know what to think. Uh, obviously, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing from a draft standpoint uh, if the Cavaliers did just kind of plummet. And and not to say that I want to see this team plummet, because I don't. If we can see this team win some basketball games, I think that's a positive sign. But 
at the same time, it's just, it's hard for me to predict where this team is going right now because even with the addition of some of these vets coming in um, and, and playing well and doing some positive things, it's not all translating to winning. And I think you still have some guys that are just struggling. Uh, the offense is still in the mud a little bit. Um, and obviously, we'll have to see this team at full health. And I think, you know, missing Jared Allen and Larry Nance in particular, those are two really, really important guys to be out, uh, two of the more important players on your team. But what do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, I, it's it's tough for me to say um, just because there's the whole they're trying to work back in love. Uh, there's Delhi in the mix. Um Windler, when he's back, like what what's going to happen there? Um, is Jetty Osmond maybe going to kind of the match going to light again as a shooter? It's just hard to say. There's a lot of um, just unknowns right now, and as Hamdu alluded to, the offensive inconsistency um, has has just been a recurring like just two steps back or two steps forward four steps back from a shooting standpoint. Um, it's it's just hard for me to say. I, I don't think they're honestly going to necessarily be, like, tanking. I, I just think there's so many just moving parts still. Um, it, yeah, it's the injuries haven't helped, but there's just game to game. You just don't know who, like, that third score when, like, is going to be. Um, and the bench, like, got just, uh, there's just a lot of kind of moving parts, lack of cohesion, I guess you could say. There's just so many. And lack of um, consistency, too, as far as who's getting minutes there. Right. It, it's just hard for, and it's honestly difficult for bigger staff to really, um, have things like nailed down. You, you have Hardenstein, you have to give him a run, honestly. Um, to me, I, I just think they'll probably win. I'll say they win like seven more games for now, just tentatively. I, I think that's about right, seven to eight in that realm. Um, and a, a few, like two of those, honestly, could just be from teams like down the stretch, kind of sitting notable guys as they get ready for like the playoff push. So um, that, that's where I'll go with for now. But hey, I mean, the Bulls made all those moves. What have they won one game since the All Star break or since the deadline? So. Yeah, there you go. But I, I just think there's they just got to kind of keep doing what they're doing. And, I mean, the bottom line is whether we like it or not, they need a top five pick in this draft or need to – like, to me, I, I'm still like – I'd be okay with them in, in like a trade-out scenario maybe if they don't get – It depends um, on what they get in a trade-out scenario because yeah, it would yeah, need to I be mean, something that would be equivalent to the level of what one of these, you know, top five guys could bring. Yeah, I'm just thinking maybe there's a possibility where they can get somebody on, like, maybe, like, kind of a pseudo-bad contract in a way, but it, there's that's that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, that, that, that's down the line, and obviously we, we have to see where their odds are going to be in, you know, not right. mentioning the lottery itself. Uh, the Cavaliers could, could you know, kind of lurk around that 10th seed and I think they have will. the... Seventh or eighth best odds heading into the lottery, and then still get a top, you know, four pick. We'll just have to see. But I do kind of want to talk about, I guess, kind of Garland in relation to some lottery picks. Obviously, you know, the Cavaliers, like we said, you know, really kind of need a top five pick here. There are some guys. Uh, we'll focus on on Cade, Jalen Suggs, and Jalen Green in particular. To where if you get one of those guys. And I guess we'll, we'll talk about Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green in particular because I think that Cade could play next to both of those guys with his size. Um, I, I think that that's something that could coexist. But let's let's think about Jalen Suggs in particular, who is kind of another, you know, not, not a bigger guard um, and also, you know, a, a ball-dominant point guard. Say the Cavaliers were to, to, to be in a position to draft Suggs and say they don't trade out and they take him. How would you think a situation like that would work with Garland? Um, obviously, Sam Amico, who I think has kind of established himself as the the biggest hater of the Cavs in Cavs media, 
but has, has expressed that he has a very strong hunch that Darius Garland won't even be on this team past his rookie contract, you know, let alone his rookie extension. Um, I guess, and, and we can get into the, the Suggs conversation in a minute, but what do you have as kind of a sense right now, and I'll start with you again, Amadou, as to what Darius Garland's future is with this team right now? There's just nothing as of now that tells me that Garland won't be here past his rookie deal. I, I don't know what where that hunch comes from. It's it's just I mean and you can talk about how I think I think, you know, there's a conversation to be had, but I think it mostly just comes from Sam Amico just liking to be negative about this team. Yeah. More than I, anything. I just it just doesn't I don't know. I feel like Maybe last season, that conversation was definitely to be had. And I feel like if the Cavs were to have gotten the top two pick, yeah, I feel like Garland would have probably been traded this offseason considering they would have had like maybe LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards or whatever. But, you know, that's not the case anymore. Garland has made massive, massive strides to his game, and he's only going to continue to get better. You talk about a point guard who not only has, you know, a smooth jump shot, but has a great handle. Um is amazing, amazing vision in just his second season. So I just, I just don't really understand why the Cavs would look to make a move in like drafting Suggs that would, I feel like, just set the franchise back another season. You know, but talking about how the two would fit, I don't know. I personally don't really like that. I feel like. Obviously, if you're there at five and Suggs is there, I think that's just a great trade down opportunity for the Cavaliers. But like you said, if they were to make that move, I think unfortunately, you know, it would probably have to be Garland who would be the one that that's dealt. Yeah, I think it would kind of be it would be an interesting situation because if you can't find a deal in the offseason, which maybe you can't, uh, maybe you kind of try to come to an to an agreement with him on an extension. Uh, it'd be likely that Garland, you know might not, you know, reach an agreement. And obviously that would be down the road. Uh, that would be, you know, the, the year after. But it, it it is interesting because, you know, would, would Garland buy into a bench role on this team, especially if he continues to make progress, which he, he's made a big leap from his rookie season to now. Um, and there's reason to believe that he could do the same next year. Um, but I, I, at the same time, I feel like, the two of them would just be difficult to fit on the floor at the same time, especially with Suggs as a rookie kind of trying to figure things out. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say here, Dan, as far as kind of both the questions that I had asked Amadou. As to, you know, what, what do you think? Do you, do you have any pessimism about Darius long-term right now uh, with or without Suggs being in the fold? Yeah, I, I don't personally. Um, I, I'm exactly with Amadou before. Um, had they have gotten a top two pick or three, I guess um, you could say this past offseason um, would have seemed like could have been pretty soon. But, like I, I would have thought like maybe by this past deadline that they could potentially move Garland um, or maybe this upcoming draft, for example. Um, but yeah, I don't have pessimism. I just think with him, or I, I guess with them, the the kind of issue I have with that sort of, I guess, narrative, whatever, um, is like how how many times are you going to ha- to be the hamster spinning around in the wheel? Like you can't just continually like be breaking up a team and shipping out pieces, whatever. Like I, I get I get the whole like Jalen Suggs just hit like a. a like a like kind of run in three at the buzzer like crazy shot it it was a crazy shot and his i guess just yeah that had a really good run um but i mean granted it was a a banked in shot let's put that out there um but yeah he's he's really explosive um is kind of like green in some ways but to me the hesitation i have with Suggs is he had literally a perfect scenario to go into like ideal scenario. Like Mm -hmm. you could not have had better spacing for him, like literally ideal. And I mean, they beat UCLA in 11 seed by three points. I mean, Johnny, UCLA should not have been an 11 seed, but no, they shouldn't have been, but 
they weren't exactly. I I, I mean, Pac-10 play. Were they weren't pretty, up to the level of Gonzaga. Pretty average in Pac-12 place team, but okay, whatever. It's neither here nor there. I mean, they also have Mick Cronin, the ISO coach, like one of the worst offensive coaches, like in college basketball in recent memory. Just to ask like Cincinnati how much they had to grind to get sixty-five points. Um, but yeah, I mean, had maximum spacing had. I mean, Corey Kispert playing with him a lot had, I mean, like pretty established players with him. Um, the two guard with him, I guess, combo guard kind of combination was literally an ideal scenario. So, I mean, and just to, to say me, this if, past game too, if Drew Timmy doesn't take over late in that game, you don't have a position. You, yeah. you, you're not in the position to hit that game winning, you know, heave in right. the first place. Yeah, I, I just... I question on an NBA floor um, against NBA length how how much he's going to be like how much he's going to be that kind of factor. I I I think he'll be a good pro, but to me, there's just no at all comparison between like it's miles difference between like Jalen Green, for example, and him. I, I just don't see it being close at all. Like that is a different stratosphere of athlete and. With the shot making he showed, I understand it was like a what fifteen game sample size in the G League, but to me, if Jalen Green was in college basketball this season, it would like th- there would just be a sea of difference in terms of what he would show. Um, just a far higher ceiling; it's not close. Um, and with Suggs, I, I I, I'm there. with you. I, I would rather the Cavs just keep Garland and just continue to build and put the pieces together. You you, you need to. You can't just keep, like, throwing, trying to put... Yeah, there needs to be consistency. Yeah, and there's chemistry with Colin. It's building. This team has not been healthy all... I mean, they they haven't been close to, like, remotely healthy at all this season. And, like, people need to factor in that. Um, It would be nice to, quite frankly, have a coach and a head coach in consecutive seasons start. I mean, I know that that's, like, a foreign concept, but I personally would like to see that. And it's just with Garland, like what? There's just no like like standing to what Amico said. I, I guess like whatever. I just I'm so sick of hearing about this like Garland Sexton like cohesion stuff. Like you need to like t- you can figure this out. Like when the Cavs have been relatively healthy, they have been competent defensively, if not above average. So you can figure this out. They're gonna. They could add a couple like de- semi decent pieces in the offseason. Still, um, I, I still point to Frank Nealakina. I really think that's a possibility. And there's just other ways they can figure this out. You don't have to just keep like reinventing the trying wheel, out like, guards. At, yeah, yeah. And I'm with you. I would rather them trade down if that were Suggs there. I, I just I don't think he is a player that is worth just gutting, like, rewiring things. That's another thing, too. And yeah. having to force Garland to go to the bench. And, I mean, it's not like this guy is going to be, like, a, like, I, like, I don't really know what Jalen Suggs will be in the NBA. I think he'll be solid. I don't really see, like, what people are seeing with, like, an all-star caliber player. Like, he had a veteran-laden team, one of the more advanced like it, I guess, just offensive, co- better offensive minds than college basketball. They they were a well oiled machine. Like I, I would have liked to have seen him from an evaluation standpoint in the situation Cade Cunningham was in. Like our one of our writers, Corey Casey, kind of talked touched on that in a group chat. And personally, I, I just I don't think I think they, that team would have like seven less wins without Cade in him. So I don't see the reasoning for that with Garland. You you can't like he, he's improved leaps and bounds this season. Like I think he's really exceeded expectations. And and him and Sexton both have kind of battled through nagging injuries too. And just the shot making ability, the creation. Um, he I think he's just barely scratched the sur- surface. That's just my opinion. So I, I this Suggs business, I'm just I'm just not for it. And again. Uh, if you're going to take a playmaker like that, to me, it's Scotty Barnes, and it, it's just not even close. 
I am a little bit higher on you than than Suggs in general. Again, I, I think the fit is is very. I, I think you you bring up valid points as to you know how he would fit in. A and team there, like those this. three, there's no viability with those three because Suggs is not is not a player you're going to have off the ball. Like he is not viable. No, that no, way. no, no, no. He Where is. Jalen Green is a, has shown in high school and AAU that, and people are just completely gone. Like. He's made playmaking strides, like considerable playmaking strides too. And he, there is not, he's not going to be a guy that is like he's routinely he's going to beat players so easily. Like it's just like yeah, the quickness he has, you just you cannot simulate. Like he has quickness, speed, showed real change of pace. Like those are not things Jalen Suggs has. They're, they are not. Not I think in the same Jalen Suggs, Suggs is. Not on the same tier, or, or I mean, he he is not you know what Jalen Green is as an athlete, but I still think Jaylen he is a Green very good in his one. First season, he still will, has some of that explosiveness. Jalen Green, his first season, will be a twenty game, a twenty point a game scorer, like walking out of bed. Uh, and honestly, if he's a bench, that's player a bit of playing, a tank. Twenty a game out if, of his. Ooh. If he's playing twenty set twenty six minutes a game as a bench player, I could def- I could still see that. Like he's that dynamic on the ball. Jalen Suggs and is will be a fine player. I'm not like rewiring my entire team for Jalen Suggs. I, I'm just not not doing it. I think you know, hype for Jalen Suggs is at an all time high right now. Obviously, with uh, he, he's had a very good run here. So you know through this tournament and capping it off. You know we'll have to see what he does in the championship game, but capping it off with that shot, uh, it, hype is understandably at an all time high right now with him. I think that that will fall back down to earth a little bit by the time we get to the draft. Obviously, that is a ways away. Um, I think it's also fair to consider the fact that we're talking about a very, very specific scenario right now uh, as to where we're talking about if the Cavaliers end up with the fifth pick and of the top five guys, Jalen Suggs is the guy who is left. Um, I think that the, the chances of this situation coming up are very, very low. It's a, it's possible. It's certainly possible. But I, I think we're, we're just going to have to see how things shake out. And, you know, we're talking about something like, like, like I said, it's more likely than not we are not in this situation. Um, but do you kind of echo the same things as far as Jalen Suggs and Amadou with, it, with Dan? Um, I, I, again, of these guys, I am probably the lowest on him. Uh, but I, I personally think that he is going to be an all-star I think he's just – he's too much – he has too good of a natural feel for the game. Uh, between the explosiveness that I do think he does have, uh, the scoring instinct as well as the passing ability, I do think he's going to be a terrific player. But I, I also can understand you know, the, the argument that maybe he's not a guy that you rewire your team for. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with Dan. I don't think he's someone that you rewire your team for. He can – you know, I, I view him as an all-star type player too, but he doesn't have – I don't want to say he doesn't have that, that part of his game that really pops out, but it's like he has a natural feel, yes. You know, his his playmaking ability is is solid, but he's not a a, a knockdown elite three-point shooter. You know, he's not someone who has insane athleticism. You know, his defensive prowess doesn't really, you know, pop out. So it's like it's he's it's like a guy who, you know, he can do a lot of things, but I don't want to say there's not that one thing that he excels at because, yeah, you know, the, the, the facilitation ability and playmaking ability is there. But at the same time, I kind of do. You know, does he really have that thing that he really excels at? Like, I think know, as a playmaker, that can be the thing for him. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree there. But it's just, I, I, don't, I don't know, the three-point in the day and age now, he's, he's not, an, a, 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 you know, like a, a really knockdown three-point shooter. He doesn't have that athleticism, that crazy athleticism ability, I, I don't think he's a guy that, you know, you just you gut your team or kind of reset your rebuild kind of because at Especially this point Especially this far into it. We're in year yeah, three. Exactly. Heading into exactly year four. That. So this is where you're trying to, you know, maybe find that number one guy if you can or if you can't, you just look to look for pieces that you can surround around, you know, the Darius Garland and Colin Sexton duo. I think that's fair. I, I do think that that's fair. Um, I want to have this argument. Um, with, I guess we can get your take on it as well, Amadou. Are you as high as Jalen Green, or as high on Jalen Green, as far as what he could be as a player out of the gate as Dan? 
Uh, I'm going to hesitate a little bit on the coming out scoring 20 a night. I I hesitate to say that. I don't, yeah, I don't think he'll be a 20 point per game guy coming out, but I do feel like he can be a, a number one type of guy for this team. Cause you talk about a guy who just has it all on offense, that elite first step with that insane athleticism, as well as the, the great shot creation ability. Um, he has, you know, he can work in three point range, the mid range, obviously in the paint too. The playmaking ability. I mean, there, there's, there's, you know, spots for him to grow in, but I feel like, you know, as time goes on, he'll do that, uh, defensively. With his athleticism, I don't think it will be as bad as, you know, people expect it to be in his first season. So, yeah, I definitely do think that – or I definitely would be as high as on him as Dan is. I just don't personally see him as a 20-point-per-game guy out the gate. I want to ask you this. Uh, now, I'll start with you, Dan. Obviously, we're over a year away from getting into Darius Garland contract extensions – but looking yeah, okay. ahead, maybe and, I was, and where you maybe think maybe I was a little bit, oh, maybe I was a little bit far fetched on that, but I, I would not be shocked if he was. Yeah, he's just, he's just, he's just that special. I, I don't yeah. know how else to put it. I do but want to talk go, a little bit sorry. about with Darius. You know, no, 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 no problem. But looking at Darius, we're going to have to see the progress that he makes over this coming season. We're going to have to see if you know there is a guy who's brought in to kind of play in place of him. Uh, but if things kind of just play out in the way that it seems like it might right now, as far as, you know, he stays as the primary guy, as far as, you know, the, the ball handler on this team, what do you think a contract extension looks like for him in a couple of years right now? I'll start with you, Dan. Uh, um, and obviously there's so much time for things to change. I'll say for him, because I was just, I just looking at thinking of the cap, uh, I don't know. I'll say four for. Uh, I don't know. Four for seventy-two or something, maybe in that realm. Um, obviously, there's like I, I'm this total shot in the dark, but I just figure potentially if I mean you kind of continue to build with Sexton and Allen, and maybe you kind of get some um, ancillary guys here and there. Um, but I just think if they're able to find like that centerpiece guy, he's, he's plenty good enough as a table setter and a guy that you can get, um, trust to get his own baskets for stretches. Um, that I'll I'll just say that for now. I was going to go just a tad bit higher, uh, kind of in that 16 to 18 per range, maybe on a four year deal. So like, you know, four years, 76, 70. Seven, four years, 76. That's what I'll say. Um, so. I, I think I, – I, I don't know. That, that, again, it is kind of a shot in the dark, but it just kind of seems like, you know, that caliber of player thinking, you know, the, the Markel Fultzes, the Derek Whites, uh, it seems you. like he, he could be on a track to kind of follow that sort of path. Where That's, are you at? The gonna... Derek White thing was kind of what I was thinking too. Yeah. I yeah. feel like Derek White is definitely a good contract model to go off of. Um Personally, just because I like, you know, even numbers, I was going to say like four years, 80 mil, you know, but it's what Dan was saying. It's, it's based on, you know, if they can, the Cavs can continue to build on what they have now with Sexton and Allen, he could kind of be that third guy um, with, you know, the Cavs continuously adding, you know, offensive pieces to really just alleviate pressure off him. I feel like that'll just help his game out even more. And I feel like four years, 80 is a good number. I think it is also fair to say, you know, when you're looking at, at Garland versus White, that, you know, Garland will be younger at the time of his extension as well than White. White is already, you know, 26. Garland is going to be, what, 23, 24 as that extension is kicking in. So that is another thing that could factor into it and in that, you know, when you're just looking at his potential as a player, it could, you know, be something that is a leverage point for him to get a little bit more money. So I think that that's fair. And again, we'll have to see. There are a lot of different things that could happen right now that would get in the way of that, but we'll, we'll just kind of monitor the situation like we do with everything else, I guess. Before we get out of here, guys, I, I got it. Did you, did you see the space jam two trailer? I did. Do. I did. Yes. Dan, I did. Did you? I did. I did. Early thoughts. I mean, I think it'll be, you know, a little, a cheesy summer flick, but 
I'll still watch it. Honestly, you know, I, I love NBA movies, you know, or just movies with, you know, NBA players in general. They're always cool to see. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, the plot looks good, I think. Uh, so, yeah. It, it looks a little cheesy, but I think that's hard mm-hmm. to kind of avoid when you're making Space Jam with Looney Tunes and basketball players. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, exactly. No, I thought the trailer was cool. Uh, I'll definitely watch it. What yeah, do you think of it? Looks, yeah, it just looked like a light kind of, yeah, as Zombie said, just kind of summer flick. Yeah, it, it, it looks it looks kind of funny. I don't know. Yeah. I'll definitely be watching it, no doubt. Did you guys also, did, did you guys see the original Space Jam? I did, yes. Yeah. It is not a movie that I have seen. I, I, I want to watch it. I've just kind of never going around to it. You definitely but, should. Uh, you definitely would you, should. Would, would you recommend, Dan? Would you recommend yeah. Amadou? Oh, well, Dan. Yeah, I'd recommend. Yeah, I'd say it's like a solid, uh, solid 7.2, maybe. That's, yeah. that's uh, fair. I, I yeah. think that that's, yeah. that's worth watching. I'll, I'll give it a shot at some point. But um, before we get out of here... I believe we have the Spurs next. Am I mistaken there? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. No. No, we don't? What no, do we, in like you oh, were like not, not mistaken. mistaken. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, oh, okay. no, no, no. What do we think is going to happen against the Spurs? The team that, again, kind of has a little bit of momentum right now. Uh, Gorky Jang will be playing in that game for him. I'm going to go ahead and say no. Uh, I think this is going to be another one of those losses that... It kind of similar to the Miami game. It's just kind of a... I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but one of those games where they don't ever really make it too, too competitive. I think we're going to kind of see the same type of thing. I'd have to agree with you, there, just because if, if you know, Allen and Nance are playing, I, I think, you know, Nance could play, but, I um, mean, yeah, if they don't play, I, I just don't see it personally. Yeah, I'm I'm with Hamadou. I think it'll just be the Cavs will kind of have some spurts where they're seeming where they can kind of cut it. Um, but I, I'm going to say this is going to be a game kind of similar to the last one, and probably a couple, uh, maybe three or four AC. Like they they really need to cut it to ten calls. I think we'll probably have some of that. <laughs> I think that's fair to fair to assume. Um, what do you guys think of the Bali Sports? layout compared to Fox Sports. I'm not a fan. I, I don't like the format. I don't like... I don't know. It, it, it's probably just because it's different. I don't like things being different, especially when they've been the same for so long. What are your What are your initial reactions to Bali versus Fox Sports? Amadou. I definitely agree with, like, you know, the difference thing. Maybe, you know, it could grow on me, but yeah, right now, I definitely do like the Fox Sports more. Yeah, I'm not really going to be too hung up on, like, a bottom line or, like, a, like formatting layout to to it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of indifferent. It's, it, it's okay. I don't know. It is what it is. All right. Well, uh, with that, we'll get out of here. Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Amadou, as always, for hopping on. Uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your Easter Sunday. Everyone out there listening, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed, please subscribe. You know, never miss another episode coming out. Uh, leave a rating and leave a review on iTunes. That really, really helps things out as far as the show goes. And uh, yeah, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.